This content is suitable for curious and objective listeners and viewers only. User discretion is advised. You know, they say if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you go. <laughs> Thank you. And welcome back to the Credential Show. NFL Agent Edition. (laughs) (laughs) I am your host, Charles. And like I said, welcome back to the Credential Show, where we make thought-provoking content in the form of information and inspiration. In case you didn't know, now you know, we are doing a show Based on the things I need to know. (laughs) And no, you know, I am not a signed rapper yet. So, like I said, in case you didn't know, I am studying to take the NFLPA agent examination in August. And I wanted to create a mini-series that chronicles... Things that need to be known to be a licensed NFL agent. I figured, you know, the CBA is going to be intact for the next nine, ten years. So this this content will have some some relevancy for for a little while. And I figured I'd share my journey because sharing is caring. So this week we will be learning about NFL agent rules. <laughs> Okay, one's hype, huh? We're also going to be learning about draft signals. I like that too, huh? So, what is draft signals? So, if you didn't know... (laughs) If you didn't know, draft signals are basically charts that agents get that kind of outlines negotiation history of past players picked in that same spot in that round as long as along with team negotiation history to give you an idea of how they like to structure their their rookie deals. So we got agent rules, draft signals, we'll learn about the uh NFL PA <laughs> And uh, we'll also learn about Players Incorporated. (laughs) So, Players Incorporated, you may be asking yourself, what is that? (laughs) So, if you don't know, Players Incorporated is basically the marketing side of the NFL PA that... organizes players to be on endorsement marketing or corporate events, appearances, all those things. So they're pretty important. So we have a awesome show, a lot of information, a lot of cool topics, a lot of interesting things to know. So, let us begin. Number one. 
Use the signals that have been provided. What is Chase Young's total 2021 salary? A, 780000 B, 5970000 C, 8200000 D, 2181073 dollars E, none of the above. So, in order to figure this one out, you would need the draft draft signals sheet, which is something you can't visibly see. So, I can only just tell you the numbers and how to get there. So, if you're looking at a draft signals sheet, you would, to figure this one out, since they're looking for 2021 total salary, you would simply just... Go to the column that says 21P5, and you would add up all the numbers that you see in that in that category because that is the 2021 salary of that respective player. So inside of that column for Chase Young, you see 780000 for his P5 base salary, and then you also see $1,401,073 for his training camp roster bonus. And a training camp roster bonus is actually not considered the offseason because training camp and on is separate from offseason workouts, mini camps, and OTAs. So those are... And the reason why it's important is because from an agent perspective and from for a team perspective, a training camp roster bonus, even if it's fully guaranteed, it can't be it can't be um spread out. Or not that it can't be, but it's generally not spread out over the duration of a contract. It's normally bonuses that hit on and count on that respective cap year which is why for 2021 and also the reason why I say that too is because in 2022 and 2023 Chase Young has bonuses training camp roster bonuses that dramatically increase actually instead of um it being nothing or not or 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 the same amount it actually increases over the next every year. So the reason why this happens and this training camp roster bonus is generally only for the the top 10 usually. And this is a way because since the top 10 salaries compared to the rest of the draft is significantly higher, this causes teams to want to take a creative way in spreading out the amount of money that they're shelling out at one time. So this is basically kind of a new invention as to help teams spread that money out. Going back to the answer, <laughs> if you add those numbers up, you would get D, right? Two thousand one hundred eighty-one dollars and seventy, no, two hundred two million one hundred eighty-one thousand and seventy-three dollars. <laughs> when you 
when you do the seven hundred eighty thousand plus the uh, one million four hundred and one thousand and seventy three dollars. All right, <laughs> number two. 5th round pick Chad Lyons had surgery for dislocated wrists on August twenty fourth, twenty twenty. The Denver Broncos placed Lions on injured reserve on August 31st. Use the signals that have been provided to determine Lynn's 2021 salary cap number. Your answer choices are A. 440,000, B. 474,000, 444, C. 719,444. D, 780,000 E, 839,444. Now, I actually got this one wrong. Yeah, I know. So, what happened was, I didn't see, it's important to pay attention to what they're telling you to find. It says, this one, they want you to find the salary cap number which is basically how much is the team being charged? And then remember, the first one is the total total salary. How much is the player earning? Two different things. Ah. <laughs> so in this one, right, what we, what we do is we go to the draft signals for the fifth round. And... On those draft signals, when you look for that number's pick, and these draft signals are a little bit different from the first-round draft signals. The reason being is on the fifth round, they'll actually start now mentioning in the salaries whether they're split or is the base tied to credited seasons. So, in other words... Split contract basically means there's two amounts. So on Article 26 of the CBA, it has salaries. And then it says it has one section of salaries. And then it says salaries for non-active, inactive. So basically non-active, inactive salaries are for split contracts, which means if you're not on the 53-man roster, you have one salary. Or if you're not, if yeah, if you're not on the 53-man roster, you have one salary. If you are on the 53-man roster, you have another salary, generally speaking, the up and down amount. And these are for, generally speaking, it could be anywhere from four, fourth round through seventh round is when split contracts and base tied to credit seasons. Now, base tied to credit seasons means if you don't earn a credited season, which is three games on the 53-man roster, then even though you're in your second year in the league, you're making first year in the league money. Because you didn't have enough to pass go, basically. 
which is tough. So, going back to the question, if you look at his draft slot on the signals, and, um, yeah, you look on his slot, you'll see that his split, it'll either say nothing in split line or it'll say full, and he has a full split, which means he'll make an up or down amount. And then if you also look at base tied to credit seasons, it'll either say Y or blank or be blank, and his has a Y on it. So that means his base is tied to credited seasons, and he has a full split, which means he gets the up or down amount, depending on if he's on the active 53 or if he's not. I mean, if he's on the 53-man roster or if he's not on the 53-man roster. So to figure out the salary cap number, what you do is you notice he has a full split for the so for 2021. And remember, he was going back to the question. He was on IR the whole season, so he didn't have any games on the active 53 or inactive 53. So that means he has zero credit seasons for the 2021, which means his base salary would be instead of. Their normal 780, it goes back down to 660,000. And then, remember, they're looking for the salary cap number. So on the draft signals, it tells you the total signing bonus. So in his case, it would be $233,776. Now, you divide that by four because the standard rookie deal is for four years. When you divide that by four, you get 59444 So, if you simply add 660000 plus 59444 you get C. Seven hundred and nineteen thousand four hundred and forty four dollars. Number three. AJ Terrell, the 16th pick of the 2020 NFL draft, has a two million six hundred one thousand forty five dollar rookie pool number. Two-thirds of Terrell's signing bonus is paid when he signs his contract. The remainder of Terrell's signing bonus isn't payable until 6-31-21. His agent signed a standard representation agreement for 1%. How much is the agent's commission in 2021 for Terrell's signing bonus? A. Zero. B. $21,523.56. C. $27,623.56. D. Six, I mean, $26,547.27. E. 
$41,703.97. Now, in order to figure this out, you can look at that draft signals. So if you're an agent, you're trying to figure this out. You look at the draft signals. And every time I say to figure this out, just from an agent perspective, right? Um, and from uh, finishing this f to answering the questions based because I got the material. <laughs> 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 so uh, kind of just listening along on my thought process on on how to how to solve this stuff. So you know, just for some some uh, extra food for thought. So the way to figure this out is you look at the draft signals for the first round at his slot, and they would give you the signing bonus. And in his case, it would be $7,964,180. Now, once you get that slot number, I mean, once you get that signing bonus, you would multiply that by one-third. And that would give you $2,654,726.67. Because remember, that's one-third. That one-third is paid to him next year. I mean, in 2021, he got drafted in 2020. So he was paid in 2020. Two-thirds of his signing bonus. And the one-third is paid in 2021. And... Once you get that number, then you multiply that two million number by one percent, and your answer is twenty six thousand five hundred forty seven dollars and twenty seven cents. So the answer would be D. Now, what's interesting in this one? I mean, what's interesting to note from an agent perspective is. You only get paid when the player gets paid for everything. So, for instance, you can't, let's say a player signs a five-year, $100 million deal with a $40 million signing bonus and base salaries of... um. What thirteen million a year, right? Or fifteen million a year, I should say. No, no, it wouldn't be fifteen million. It would be uh twelve million a year. Twelve million a year. Right? Because that'd be sixteen base, forty signing bonus, hundred million dollars, five years. Even though your commission would probably be what what's uh two percent of a hundred million? Two million? Even though your commission would be two million and that could easily be accounted for via the signing bonus alone, since it's forty, you can only collect as the player collects. So if the player gets the signing bonus paid out all at once, you can get two percent of that. And each year since his base is twelve million in this situation. You can collect 2% on the $12 million every single year. 
So basically you can't just collect all at once, even if the contract affords you the opportunity to do so, which is dope. It gives the players the best, uh, easy, don't think about it way of, you know, handling compensation and and um, no one feels pressured, pressured by it. Number four. The contract advisor of Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson is preparing to renegotiate his client's contract on June 2nd, 2021. Which of the following NFLPA reports is most relevant in determining how much salary cap room the Ravens have? A. League cap report. B. Contract history report. C. Contract summary report. D. Team salary report full roster. E. Team salary report top 51. And I actually got this one wrong. I know, I know, I know. So the reason why I got this one wrong is because I didn't pay attention to the timing of timing of when he's trying to renegotiate his contract and the fact that it asked for most relevant. So at the time he's trying to renegotiate is June second. That's the off season. In the off season, the NFL, the way it works is for salary cap purposes, they only count the top 51 contracts. Everything else is a wash. Ah. I know, right? And then, and then once the regular season counts, then it goes to team salary report for roster. Which, because you got to remember, in the NFL, it's a 53-man roster. And then and then only 47 to 48 dress out. Ah. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, as you can tell, you know, I probably picked, I picked D, team salary report for roster. And the answer was E, team salary report top 51, since he's negotiating in the off-season. So I won't forget that. (laughs) (laughs) So. Number five. Running back Ronald Jones was scheduled to become a unrestricted free agent on March 17th, 2021. He signed a standard representation agreement with his agent in January 2017 after his collegiate eligibility expired Jones hasn't signed a new standard representation agreement since originally signing Jones Jones informs his agent on January 23rd 2021 another agent stopped him after a practice that day to tell him he couldn't he could make him the NFL's highest paid running back Jones tells his agent in a January 25th phone conversation that he's firing him. Agent receives a termination letter on January 26th. Player signs with the agent that approached him January 23rd on February 19th. What provision of the NFLPA contract regulations 
has been violated by Jones's new agent. A. Section 3B4. B. Section 3B14. C. Section 3B8. D. No violation occurred. E. Section 3B21A. In order to figure this one out, this is when you would look at the NFL PA regulations governing contract advisors. And 3B, because as you notice, all of them said 3B something. 3B is basically list all the things NFL agents shouldn't do. Well, to give you some perspective, let me go ahead and tell you what 3B4, 3B14, 8, and 21A is. Right? So, 3B21A is basically initiating any communication directly or indirectly with a player who has entered into a standard representation agreement with another contract advisor in such agreement is on file with the NFLPA. 3B14 is engaging in unlawful conduct and or conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, deceit, misrepresentation, or other activity which reflects adversely on his or her fitness as a contract advisor or jeopardizes his or her effective representation of NFL players. Eight is engaging in any other activity which creates an actual potential conflict of interest with the effective representation of NFL players. And number four is providing falsely, materially false or misleading information to any player, prospective player, in the context of recruiting the player as a client or in the course of representing that player as his contract advisor. So, based on those answer choices, in this situation, the agent receives a uh, termination letter on January 26th. That new agent has to wait five days before he can officially sign the player, even though he wanted to sign the player probably the, the same day. And as you can see, he signed him on February 19th. So, long story short, basically the answer is D. No violation has occurred. Number six. Which of the following statements about players incorporated is not true? A. A portion of the revenue generated by Players Incorporated funds the operation of the NFLPA. B. Players Incorporated offers exclusive group licensing rights to five or more NFL players. C. Players Incorporated is a for-profit entity. D. Players Incorporated is the licensing and marketing subsidiary of the NFLPA. E. Players Incorporated was formed in 1994. Now, for this question, you would simply, well, we had a cheat sheet, and I just had to, not a cheat sheet, but yeah, uh, condensed uh, a fun fact sheet about Players Incorporated. But this is all information that you can easily find on the NFLPA website.
So basically, Players Incorporated is the for-profit licensing and marketing subsidiary of the NFL Players Association. And they offer exclusive group licensing rights to six or more players for a respective venture and a trusted resource since 1994. So basically, I answered the question. The answer is B, right? That's not true. They offer exclusive group licensing rights to six or more NFL players, not five or more. Number seven. John Lucas fires his agent after the 2020 season ends. He hires a new agent in March 2021 for 2%. Lucas signs a renegotiated contract running through 2023, right before training camp starts in 2021, with a $10 million signing bonus no deferral. His 2021 base salary drops from $5 million to $1 million in the in the renegotiated deal. Lucas doesn't have any other compensation in 2021 besides base salary and signing bonus. How much is Lucas paying his new agent because of the 2021 season? A, 120,000, B, 150,000, C, 180,000, D, 220,000, E, 270,000. Now, what's interesting to note is even though the player fires his agent and signs a, signs with a new agent and renegotiates his deal, the previous agent is still entitled to the $5 million that he negotiated for that last year of that deal. So as you remember, in this scenario, when the player renegotiates his deal, he still keeps that year. The salary just drops from $1 million, from $5 million to $1 million, but he did get a $10 million signing bonus, right? So the way this works is the new agent is entitled to get paid on any new money into the deal. So for the 2021 season, the old agent negotiated $5 million. The new agent got a $10 million signing bonus and a $1 million base salary. So... What happens is, to figure out how much the new agent is paid, you would do $11 million minus $5 million, which is $6 million. Now, that $6 million is how is what the agent can take his commissions or her commissions off of. So, in order to figure this out, you would do 2% of $6 million which gets you 120,000. 
Now, I actually got this wrong. Yeah, and the reason why is because I wasn't aware of that that rule where agents are still entitled to to the money that they negotiated on. Now, what happens is this, right? If the player signs with the new agent and then is cut, now anything the new agent negotiates they are able to make all the commissions off of, you know. So since that last con, since that contract is still in place, so once a, a agent has had a contract in place with a player, they're locked in, unless to uh, getting commissions, unless the player is cut, then all bets are off. <sighs> Number eight. The NFLPA's Committee on Agent Regulation and Discipline issues a complaint, or also called CARD, issues a complaint to contract advisor Rob Steele. If Steele wants to challenge the complaint, what's the appropriate course of action? A. Convince NFLPA Executive Director DeMora Smith to dismiss the complaint. B. File a notice of appeal to the complaint with card at the NFLPA office within 20 days. C. File an answer to the complaint with the commissioner's office within 30 days. D. File a notice of appeal to the complaint with the arbitrator within 20 days. E. File an answer to the complaint with card at the NFLPA office within 30 days. Now, this is one of those pretty easy self-explanatory ones. So, if you go on that NFLPA, you know, regulations governing contract advisors, they have a section that talks about compliance and oversight. And on that section, you notice that the answer would be E. You file a complaint with CARD at the NFLPA office within 30 days. So what happens is they issue a, a complaint to you and then you write card and answer to that complaint back. And then that starts the process of addressing the complaint that they had. Ah. Number nine. Veteran Linebacker Ray Lou signs a standard representation agreement with Jerry Maguire on March 10th, 2021. The NFLPA receives a copy of the SRA on March 15th, 2021. Maguire receives an email from Lou on March 18th, 2021, terminating the SRA. If Lee Steinberg signs Lou, to a new SRA on March 20th, 2021, has Steinberg violated the NFLPA regulations governing contract advisors? A. No, because Lou can sign a new SRA at any time. B. Yes, because fewer than five days have passed since the NFLPA received the first SRA. C. Yes, because fewer than five days have passed since the first SRA was terminated. D, 
No, because the second SRA was signed more than five days after signing of the first SRA. E, yes, because fewer than 30 days have passed since the SRA was terminated. Now, I actually got this one wrong, too. I know, I know, I know. Uh, The reason why is because that rule about agent termination, I didn't know about it because it said it, it's actually in the standard representation agreement and I didn't read it properly. Um, It actually says in the standard representation agreement in the termination section that when you get terminated, there's a five-day grace period until the player, until an agent can sign the player. Now, with rookie deals, it's actually a 30-day grace period. So if a player is on his rookie deal or um, in the process of entering a rookie deal and he fires his agent, there's actually a 30-day grace period until another agent can actually officially sign that player. Now, let's say there was a time crunch. Now, if there is a situation of a time crunch, then the agent um, can waive the grace period and allow the other agent to sign the player immediately, which is generally how things go. So because of all that I just said, the answer is C. Yes, because fewer than five days have passed since the first SRA was terminated. Because as you can see from the example, he was terminated on March 18th and signs a new SRA on March 20th. That is a no-no. Ah. Mm-hmm. And finally, number 10. Which of the following is not a function of the NFLPA? A, administering and overseeing the NFL salary cap, which governs player cost. B, assuring that the terms in the, ter- the terms of the collective bargaining agreement are met. C, certifying and regulating the, co- the conduct of persons who wish to represent NFL players in individual contract negotiations with NFL teams. D, negotiating and monitoring Retirement and insurance benefits for NFL players. E. Representing all NFL players in matters concerning wages, hours, and working conditions. And protecting their rights as professional football players. Hmm. So, in case you're not familiar, NFLPA stands for National Football League Players Association. That's basically the NFL's union just like you know most big industries have unions like the police and government workers and things of that nature the nfl has a union and to figure out the answer to this question well what i did i should say what i did basically is we had a fact sheet about the nfl pa and i just cross-referenced it (laughs) with the answer choices, and I actually still got it wrong. (laughs) And and the reason why I got it wrong, I overthought it. 
Um, I said C, which is certifying and regulating the conduct of persons who wish to represent NFL players. But then I thought about, like, literally the NFLPA hasn't, has a whole book that says NFLPA. Literally says NFLPA regulations governing contract advisors. <laughs> so since it's a union, obviously they handle matters concerning wages and hours and working conditions. They're obviously a union, so they got to make sure the, the CBA collective bargaining agreement is okay. So the answer is, which of following is not a function? A, administering and overseeing the NFL salary cap, which governs player costs. That is actually done by the NFL and the NFL Management Council. Ah. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. Another edition of the credentials. <laughs> Once again, remember, this is the NFL Agent Edition. <laughs> and um, in this episode, you know, the goal was for you to learn more about agent rules and regulations, you know, these draft signal things that agents have to take into consideration when negotiating rookie contracts and deals, and uh, just some of the the functionalities and of the NFL, you know, the NFL PA and the Players Inc. Players Inc. is um, a big part of the NFL. So just wanted to to share, like I said, what they do and why they do it. So once again, the credentials show we make thought provoking content in the form of information and inspiration. The goal is for you to learn something and uh, for you to gain better perspective and insight. I hope this was engaging. Please provide feedback and ways to improve. I'm always open to um, constructive critiquing. So with that being said, be blessed. Have a nice day. Remember, this is the middle of the week, so finish the week strong. Don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone because, in the words of football, that's the only way to get to the end zone. So, goodbye. Generational Sports Partnerships and Productions appreciates you viewing and or listening to this original content series. Let this empower you towards positive action. Now let's be great.